Welcome to the Apple Store Kafirstendam for tonight's event, Building a Successful Startup, Freestyle with the Berlin Geekettes, and your host tonight, Jess Erickson. Thank you, Ari. Um, I'm thrilled to be a moderator for this exciting panel this evening. I want to thank all of you for joining us. And I'd like to first begin and highlight to our international audience listening in on the tremendous growth of the Berlin Tech Startup Hub. This hub of hardworking innovators and creatives are really making a big dent in the technology universe. Tonight, I have the privilege of introducing one of the many teams contributing to this exciting tech scene. But before I introduce the team Freestyle, I'd like to begin by drawing your attention to this video. Without further ado, I'd like you to meet the Freestyle team. Let's first welcome founder and CEO, Johanna Brewer. Hey. Welcome, Johanna. Hey. Next, we have senior engineer, Dr. Amelie Anglad. <laughs> and next, we have founder and CPO, Ariana Basoli. And last but not least, we have founder and CMO, Emanuela Tumolo. <laughs> Welcome, ladies. In the next hour, we will discuss their roadmap to becoming a successful startup and the challenges they face as an all-women's tech company. I encourage each and every one of you to prepare your questions to be asked at the end of our session. So let's begin. In the industry, we often talk about the struggle of attracting young girls into the tech world. There are many new initiatives like STEMETs who are creating new programs to get girls interested at a very early stage. So I'd like to kick off the evening by asking each of you to introduce yourselves and then to briefly describe to us what attracted you into the tech scene. So let's begin first with Joanna. Hi guys, so my name is Johanna Brewer. Um, I'm the CEO and one of the founders of Freestyle. And I would like to say that I was probably born with a computer in my hand. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in a very uh, tech-savvy environment. My father is an entrepreneur and an engineer, so I built and programmed my first computer when I was five. I went on to become a sysadmin and network engineer at the age of 12. I was the sole engineer of a television station setting up their networks. And so by the time I got to college and I was taking computer science classes to get easy A's, as we say in America, I realized that maybe it was just more than a hobby and I could do something with tech. So I went on to pursue uh, a master's in computer science at Boston University, then a PhD uh, at University of California. And after I had kind of gone through all of school that there was, uh, I really wanted to get the things I was building out to as many people as possible in the world. And so I found myself starting a company. 
Very impressive, Joanna. <laughs> Thanks. Ariana? So my name is um, Arianna, and I'm um, from Italy. And at Freestyle, I'm in charge of the product. I actually started with a different career path. I wanted to be a journalist. But then uh, when the internet started to grow at the end of the 90s, I found myself spending more time on Napster than writing articles. So <laughs> when I joined a big interaction design lab uh, called Media Lab Europe, I managed to combine my passion with music with thinking of new ways to consume and share music through new technologies. So since then, I've become an expert in designing music interfaces all the way through my PhD in information systems until now with Freestyle. So that's my story. Fantastic. Amelie. Uh, yeah, so my name is Amelie. Um, I'm French, and at Freestyle, I am senior engineer. And um, so I grew up in a family of tech enthusiasts. So for me, technology was always around. My parents are both engineers. And uh, my brother and I were fighting for the computer, family computer and internet connection when we first got one. <laughs> and um, I actually started programming uh, when I was 18. And I was uh, doing a, an undergrad in math. And um, I took that first class in functional programming. And I just loved it. So I decided to uh, do that, uh, do a master's in computer science. Uh, I then specialized in artificial intelligence. Uh, during my second master and uh, finally because I was also um, passionate about music and a musician myself, I decided to combine both and um, uh, work on music information retrieval and that's what I did for my PhD. And then um, I built um, recommendation algorithms and, um, and that kind of um, automatic uh, analysis of music um, at companies like Philips and Sony and SoundCloud. And uh, I recently uh, joined Freestyle because I wanted to build a service from like the beginning. Uh, so that's what I do now. Fantastic. Emmanuela? That's me. Hello, I'm Emanuela, Italian too. And um, at Freestyle, I do the marketing and sales part. I like to introduce myself as the analogic person in the team <laughs> because I was never so much into computers and code, but I work with nerds and <laughs> I really like to work with them. I kind of understand much about what they're saying and I can translate their beautiful code in actual human language. So. If I look back, uh, it's not that uh, I was into technology, but I always had this passion for human interactions. So uh, when it came, you know, to technology, uh, I choose it because it's the way, you know, that can connect people and they can uh, contribute to everyday interaction for, uh, of people. So that's what. Mm -hmm. brings me to technologies. Fantastic. Well, welcome, ladies. As you can see, we have an extremely talented and intelligent group of women with us today. You all have your own PhDs now. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> Amelie just joined the PhD club. And um, I'm really excited to get this conversation rolling. So Amelie, great to have you here. Um, for those of you in the audience who don't know, Amelie is actually a Berlin Geek Tech Ambassador, and she helped us uh, architect the first all-women's uh, hackathon in Germany last spring. So I'm really excited to have you here, Amelie, and um, I'd like to ask you the first question. We talk about role models in the industry and how they're attracting more women and girls. I'd love to know who you admire in the field and who was your role model and inspiration in the past and in the present. 
Okay. Um, so to be honest, most of my role models and mentors, uh, I've been male, and I've never seen any problem with that. So I was inspired by uh, men that were just like doing awesome stuff when I was a girl, a little girl, and I thought. Yeah, I can do that too. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and then you know, as I was like uh, studying and uh, becoming a professional in this field, I also found amazing mentors on the way. Um, and I I can, for instance, um, talk about um, people in in this like music recommendation space, like Oscar Selma, that um, used to work at Grace Note and now is the director of research at Pandora, um, and uh, Paul Lemire that works at the Econest, that is now part of Spotify. And uh, those senior engineers have always been extremely supportive and uh, and very friendly people as well. And I don't think they made any difference between me and and the guys around. And um, and that helped me like build confidence that I could actually work with them, organize conferences with them. I had this chance. Um, and here in Berlin, it's the same. I I, I could cite, for instance, um, uh, Simon Vilnauer uh, is. Um, huge open source uh, contributor. He does, um, he's a core committer of Lucene and he also uh, co-founded Elasticsearch. And uh, again, I had a chance to work with him and to learn so much from him, but he was also like telling me how, how he was learning from me. So, you know, those things are just like, uh, give you the confidence to just like go further and, um, and um, get um, interesting stuff done. Mm -hmm. And I have a few like women role model. Um, Joanna has always <laughs> been a huge one, um, and so I was no like pressure. extremely happy <laughs> to join Freestyle for that. And otherwise, there is um, one lady that you introduced me to, uh, Hilary Mason. Um, yeah. She used to be a chief scientist at uh, Bitly, and now uh, she's data scientist in residence at Axel. Mm -hmm. uh, she's just amazing, I think. Um, and yeah, so there are like extremely talented women out there as well. Fantastic. It's great to know that you've had such strong and powerful role models in your tech career. I think that's really important for all of us. Um, the next question I have is actually for both you and Emanuela. Let's start from the beginning. I really, uh, I'm curious about this, uh, why you chose Berlin. Um, I really want to know, you know, you could have picked Silicon Valley, New York, London, you know, more of the larger tech hubs. What gust of wind pushed you to Berlin? And uh, let's start off with you, Emanuela. Yeah, as we like to say, I think that Berlin chose us because yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> two years ago, uh, me, Arianna, and uh, Joanna were already working, you know, on a music web-based project that was called Freestyle. No surprises. <laughs> and uh, but we were looking for, you know, a new environment uh, that could bring us to the next level. So we decided to apply for the best uh, accelerator programs in key cities of the world in terms of of music scene and startup scene, mm -hmm. such as New York. And Berlin, and when we arrived to Berlin for uh, the final selection days of Startup Bootcamp, uh, we were so impressed by you know the level of mentors and experts that were involved, and just was one of them. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so we found uh, the, um, the Berlin scene international, young but really growing. So uh, when uh, they picked up us, uh, we just looked at each other for three seconds and we said, yes, why not? <laughs> so we moved in 10 days from Rome to Berlin. And uh, when you ask what uh, you know, Berlin is doing right, I think that um, opening you know, to new possibilities, new markets, it's really what can you know, bring the tech scene here to the next level. 
level because it's mm -hmm. true that the tech scene is still young, but it's really open, you know, to uh, support and share expertise, and uh, it's really willing to embrace, you know, successful stories and uh, new challenge. Fantastic. So, well, I'm yeah. glad you ended up in Berlin. Yeah. I really. Am. <laughs> <laughs> Amelie, what brought you here? So I actually moved to Berlin for a job. I got an excellent uh, job offer from SoundCloud two mm -hmm. years and a half ago, and I, I didn't even think twice. I was like, okay, I want this job, I'm just going, and I didn't know Berlin at all. Uh, so I, it was an extremely nice surprise to discover this city with like an amazing tech scene. So I'm still like amazed that every night I have the choice between at least like two or three technical events. So it's like actually hard to pick and <laughs> decide where to go. Um, and um, yeah, a lot of those are for free. People volunteer a lot of their time. Uh, so yeah, there's this like... I think I've never seen this amount of volunteers, especially in the tech scene here in Berlin, than uh, in any other city. And uh, I really love that because it's part of my values as well to just mm -hmm. share my knowledge with others. And um, yeah, because yeah, you can you can just get slightly further by like sharing with other people. So. Absolutely, I definitely think there is this standard sharing economy that's pretty much expected. If you're taking something, someone's always giving something back. So exactly. it's it's yeah. a wonderful city to be in. Thank you, ladies. Um, next two questions are for you two. Uh, let's face it, you know, we talk about how great startups, but they're also not a cakewalk, right? They can be quite difficult and not that easy to run. You have to build a product from scratch, you have to raise money, you have to build a strong business model, and then create a team that can really execute. And that's not easy. So I'd like to ask both of you, what challenges have you faced recently and how did you overcome that? I think we'd really like to know. Okay, so... I'll let you start. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, for me, like, um, a big challenge, like, yeah, not too long ago was just to wake up, like, one morning and just realize that I'd lost my passion for what I was doing. And it was just, like, I was burnt out and I couldn't even look at a computer anymore. <laughs> And, you know, if you're working for a startup, like, passion is what's, what drives you. So if you don't have it, it's just the end of it. So for me, the key was really to realize first that I was burnt out and just take some time off, which is necessary sometimes, mm -hmm. and just also to find the new role in the company that would suit me better. And then I got my passion back. So I think at the end, it just requires a lot of creativity to mm -hmm. be in a startup. Mm -hmm. And flexibility. Yeah, yeah. flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for me as as the CEO, one of the biggest challenges is exactly what Adriana is talking about. In general, when you're in a startup, you have to, you know, you have to wake up and go at the wall every day really hard, and no one's there to cheer you on but yourself. And so some days can be when the days are hard, you know, you're you say, "Why am I doing this?" you know, to yourself. And it's really tough when you're the leader because not only do you have to do that for yourself, you have to do that for everyone else too. And so it's tough when you see, you know, your co-founders or anyone in the team lagging. The biggest challenge for me has almost been to keep not only, you know, my energy level high, but learn how to do that for other people. And that doesn't necessarily mean pouring yourself out or, or working harder. It's really about, I think, inspiration and finding the right roles for your team. And as you grow, how do you change your structure and organization? So mm -hmm. there's, there's quite a lot of challenges, but I think that for me, one of the, I guess, interesting lessons that I learned was when I first started my company, my father, who I mentioned was an entrepreneur, uh, he told me, no, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, that's crazy, until he was sure, you know, I really wanted to, and he said, okay, go for it all the way, and remember that you 
are an unstoppable train mm -hmm. and it's everyone's loss if they don't get on board. And that just has <laughs> to be your attitude. So after running a company for a few years, I came back to my dad and I said, Dad, I mean, I love unstoppable train. It's a great metaphor, but I'm exhausted. And he was like, oh, I forgot to tell you, you also have to pace yourself. And you have to remember that the train needs fuel and you have to put something back into it. So I think one of the biggest challenges is, is keeping on going and being persistent, but in a way that actually works before you burn out. Mm -hmm. What well, is is entrepreneurship for everyone? Would you suggest everyone try and build something of their own at some point? <laughs> well, I, I think for me that my life is filled with just the desire to make things with my own hands. And I think that if you want to make something, you should go out and do it. Entrepreneurship is the science and the art of making money off of that. And it's a big, a big, big challenge, but I think that at, at heart, humans are very industrious. So if you want to do it and it is your passion, you know, I think it is, it is for everyone if you want to give it a shot. Okay. Thank you for your honest accounts <laughs> of what startup life is like. Um, this is a question for any of you to jump in. Um, for those of us in the audience who might not be familiar with startup life but are curious to learn more, I'd like you to share some of your personal insights. Was startup life everything you thought it would be? And what advantages or disadvantages come along with the whole package? Um, maybe, Joanna, you knew what was coming ahead. <laughs> but if any of you would like to jump in and let us know. Was it all that you thought it'd be? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, especially now, I think in the media, there's a lot about startups and especially successful stories. So it's easier to think like, oh, it's all fine. But I think, I mean, for me at the beginning, it was, as Johanna said, like a lot waking up and just thinking, why am I doing this? It's just too hard. And then after a while, you do get used to it. And it's just a constant like change, you know, like team, product, market, and office, like CD. So. And it's a lot of adrenaline and you get used to it and it becomes almost addictive. You huh. know? So I think like pros are that you're, you're following your passion and you get as little chance to change the world. And then you get to work with really talented people that share your passion, which is great. Mm -hmm. And the cons is just that it's really tiring, it's draining, it takes all your life <laughs> and you know. But at the end, I think it's, it's also a lot of fun. I mean, we have fun, so yes. it's... Yeah. Amelie? Uh, yeah, so I think what I was hoping um, out of startup life um, was, so I was coming from this background of research in academia, and uh, I had this feeling that my algorithms were not used by anybody. So I really, I thought, okay, this is, this is the place where I actually my algorithms can make it into a product in like a few days only and possibly impact a lot of people. And it is exactly that, but it's also, I didn't realize it would be extremely demanding that any, anything, you, like any bug you introduce can affect also a lot of people. <laughs> and um, yeah, and that also the deadlines would be so tight. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I, I learned to like change uh, the way I solve problems. Um, I learned to be way more efficient uh, and effective, but also to like be super thorough and, um, and also to like go for the simplest solutions because mm -hmm. like you don't have time for complex solutions. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's amazing because I learned a lot through that. Yeah. Yeah, of course it's not as you imagine. You know, you look at someone's life from your comfortable zone and you say, yes, me too, it's cool, right? And then when you are in those shoes, you realize that it's really tough. But the pro for me, and was the main reason why I quit my job that was, you know, secure and well paid, is that you can do something that you believe in really a lot, and then you can do with people that you trust, you respect. Mm -hmm. But then on the other side, you have to 
every day you have to fight with this insecurity and uh, you have to be really focused and determined. But on the other side, you have to be really open to changes and if it's possible, you need your plan B under the pillow. Mm. <laughs> 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 well, I'm hoping you won't need plan B. <laughs> Joanna, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that it's true that we were saying earlier, I think anyone can go for this, but it might not be for everyone because, I mean, yeah, as you heard the, the ladies' responses, I mentioned I grew up in an entrepreneur family and a tech one. So we had highs and lows. I mean, there was one year we had two airplanes and the next year we didn't have money to buy a coat. And mm -hmm. so, you know, there was big risk and excitement and big tech plays. But for, you know, seeing what my family was doing, it was about the passion of what you were making and putting it out in the world and believing it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that's fulfilling. You know, when we hear the stories, we hear about the money that people made and the payout and all that. But what most pe people, you know, know is that the entrepreneurs still go back again because it's not really about that it's about loving what you're doing so it is incredibly hard but like you know an extreme sport it's not easy but it's a lot of fun mm -hmm. I mean you know let's say someday in the, the future freestyle IPOs and you know you cash in millions and you're these super successful ladies out of Berlin would you then start another company or could yes. you see yourself <laughs> just continue? Because like, I think that's what happens is you catch this entrepreneurial bug and would you ever be able to kick it? Could you ever work for a company after this experience? Well, <laughs> so, no, and yes, I would start another company. You <laughs> yeah. would? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I don't know about... For me, it's always been hard to work for someone else. I mean, always, I mean, I think it's also the, why you start your own company. Yeah. I think it's just I've worked with other people for other people, but it's been hard. Mm -hmm. So it would be hard. Right now I would say like, probably no, I don't want to start something else just because I'm like a bit tired. But then I think after like a small break, I would probably do it because as you said, it is addictive mm -hmm. and you just... You couldn't see yourself in a cubicle working for a 3,000 person company and no. having I mean, a nine to five, no? We I get offers know. like that all the time too. Sure. I mean, as... I escaped from yeah. a company like that. Yeah. Uh -huh. because yeah. And as we, so, you know, as we yeah. build more success with our own company, of course, people come back and look at, yeah, especially the four of us and say, do you want a job mm -hmm. that has six figures and lots of fun? And yeah, I mean, it's a tough thing to say no to that, but it's not if you're having a good time at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So as you can see, startup life is a roller coaster, but I think you, if you have the support, the mentors, and the drive to wake yeah. up every day and say, yeah, I'm going to push out 12 hours and get this shipped out and let's get going, um, you can become an entrepreneur and you might be able to just pull it off, right? Okay, so ladies, we've looked at what's inspired you, what you've currently been working on at Freestyle, but I'd like to know more about the future. And this is a question for Ariana and Joanna. What do you think the future of technology holds? And what do you want to make the future of tech become? Who would like to go first? <laughs> uh, okay. I'll kick it to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, I mean, this might be idealistic, but I think that technology should enhance us more than enslaves us. And mm -hmm. uh, I think now we're still torn between these two effects of technological progress, which is really fast mm -hmm. and I mean I've been working in the field of ubiquitous technologies for almost 15 years now and finally now I see what we were like researching you know like that long ago it's actually becoming a reality technologies everywhere and I think for us is a bit scary because we didn't grow up with that much technology but then we have to think that the next generations will be so used to it and it's going to be something that for us was for instance you know just having light and running water mm -hmm. at home mm -hmm. so 
I think it's, I mean, I'm positive about the future, mm -hmm. even though it's still scary, but just because, yeah, I'm like, didn't grow up with that. <laughs> so maybe Ariana is a little bit afraid of the, the coming technological revolution, but I, as I mentioned, grew up with that. So, uh, I mean, for me, you know, the future of technology is space because space is the final frontier. And... <laughs> <laughs> And I am an unabashed nerd and Trekkie, and basically my whole life has been about trying to make the sci-fi future be now so I can experience it. And, you know, the iPhone is the tricorder, the iPad is your data pad, you know, like Oculus or the Google Glass is going to become, you know, the, the new Jory LaForge's band. I mean, all of the, <laughs> the nerd stuff that I loved when I was a kid is becoming real. But I'm so excited about that because what it means is someday we get to use that on a starship. And I, I really do... <laughs> No, I honestly think, though, I mean, if you look at the pace of technological innovation, the rapid acceleration is what's enabling us to solve those kinds of problems. And we rely, even if you don't, you know, aren't intimately aware of it every day, so much on what's the technology that has been put into space or has been developed for space. And so for me, that's where I want things to go, and it's already going that way. And I, I look to the future in the stars. Awesome. <laughs> the unstoppable train of Trekkies. Beam yeah. me up, Scotty. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. <laughs> so Joanna, the next question I have for you, now this is difficult, but it's a really important discussion in the tech world right now. Uh, harassment and sexism have actually been big issues uh, within the industry and other industries. And um, we're really combating a very big problem here. Uh, some of you might have read the New York Times article that came out a few days ago. Mm. And it was describing as women being pushed to the edge. And it quotes, women who enter fields dominated by men often feel this way. They love the work and want to fit in. But then something happens, a slight or major offense, and they suddenly feel like outsiders. Joanna, have you ever experienced harassment or witnessed sexism in this industry? And what can we do together to combat this problem? So, of, of course I have, and it's happened to me, and people I have known, you know, and I think that we've, we've all heard a lot of horror stories, so I don't want to share anything like that today. What I want to say is that it happens all the time, and not just to women, you know, it's, it's not a one-directional problem, and what's important, I think, is that most of us, everybody I know, like nobody says they want that, men or women. Mm -hmm. And I think we're all pretty reasonable people and, and we do think it's bad. It's just been really hard to have a, a discussion and a way to systematically sort of stamp this out. And so what I always say to people when we talk about this topic, and it's something that I'm passionate about too, but it's, it's all of our problems. Nobody benefits from people feeling, you know, isolated in the workplace, whether it be women or minorities of any kind. You know, we, nobody rises up from that. And so it's important to recognize that it's a problem for all of us because, you know, hurt feelings don't help. And nor does violence of any kind. But I think that what, you know, I always encourage people to recognize is that we can work on this together. And the important thing to say is if we can all agree that this is a, a big and bad problem, if we all just stand on the same side and don't fight amongst ourselves about whose fault it is, we all just mm -hmm. agree, then we can distance ourselves very far from the people who are doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, for me, it's something that we're really, you know, pushing forward to a place where we're having open discussions mm -hmm. in the New York Times about this. And I just want to say that, like, I think that we should all try to, you know, sort of reach out, hold the hands with each other and be like, no one likes this and we all know that and not get so angry at each other. Thank you, Joanna. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. Um, 
Yes, so let's end sexism and let's be inclusive and get the next generation excited and feeling like they fit. Exactly. That's the goal. All right, so this is my last question for you ladies. Given the title of this panel, I'd like to close by asking each of you what your definition of success is. Uh, we all have different feelings about what an individual or a company deems as successful, um, but I'd like to hear your personal thoughts on this. Emanuela? Yeah, as I was telling before, for me, you know, success is just doing what you love with people that you trust and respect. And uh, more than achieving a list of things, it's just uh, enjoy the journey that you're doing with the people that are with you. And uh, yeah, and then uh, you realize that there's just no only one way to you know, to do this, uh, this path. And then uh, part of the, of the success is still this movement that you're doing. So just, you know, move towards what you want to do and what you love. Beautiful. Thank you. Amelie? Right. Um, so for me, success is uh, having a positive impact on people. Uh, and uh, so by helping them, and I've, I've always admired people that just help others. And for me, I want to do that with technology, but I know there are like many ways of, uh, you know, having, having a positive impact uh, on people's lives. And um, so, yeah, that's why I, I keep volunteering for the Berlingi Cats and for other organizations. I try to uh, introduce people to technology and uh, help them through their journey uh, learning technology. Um, yeah, so that's... Uh, Thank you for that. Ariana? So for me, I think for me, success is to wake up every day and just be excited about starting the day. And I think it just sounds a lot easier than actually is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think for me, I mean, success just means, uh, I don't know, everything the girls said, being happy, being fulfilled, but... Uh, just learning and knowing as much as I can and, and communicating and sharing that. And for, you know, especially, you know, being up here is also a big meaning for success because I think that one of the things that, you know, we want to do and we want to represent as, you know, as, as a company, as a group of women is like, we are proof that you can do this and we're having a good time. It's hard, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not necessarily an easy road, but if you just do it, you can do it, you know? And I know that sounds like Ariana was saying, it sounds simple to wake up every day and love what you're doing. It is hard, but for me, a lot of the, the feeling of success is when people say that I inspired them, you know? And that mm -hmm. for me is like, oh, wow. You know, that's huge. That's <laughs> so huge. I already feel successful if I can be rubbing off and positively getting us all mm. to move forward to and not just myself, you know? That's a wonderful thing. Joanna, do you have a key takeaway you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, really, you know, mounting on this, that if you want to go out and do something, you should not even bother asking us, you know, you should go for it because, and, and that, you know, that's, and this is not just said to girls, this is said to anyone for any reason, because that's how we make positive, exciting, impactful changes is by doing stuff. Use your hands and go out there and attack it. And that's sort of generally the message I like to spread. <laughs> Thank you, Joanna. Well, I'm wishing every single one of you as much success in the future as you possibly can have. I'm really rooting for freestyle, like big time. And I think of you as each really positive role models in this tech industry. Um, and I want to compliment you for your hard work and your dedication for supporting women in technology because each and every one of you have had this in your hearts and that shows. Um, and that's why you're here on this stage today. So, um, you know, from coming from Geekettes, I just want to encourage women to be able to strive what they believe in, 
take risk, and hopefully inspire that next generation of women to pursue a career in this fast-paced industry. And I really believe that's what freestyle is doing very well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, ladies. All right. So um, we have room for about 10 to 15 minutes of questions from the audience. If you would like to ask a question, we'd kindly ask you to stand up and uh, have a staff member bring you a microphone. All right, we have a, thank you. Hi, I'd like to come back to the question of, uh, uh, that Jess made about Berlin being the place to be for startups, because um, Berlin gets themselves are expanding internationally, and we've heard also about some startups in Berlin uh, live in Berlin. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think the future holds for Berlin in the midterm? Do you think the most of the startups that start up in Berlin will end up moving to Silicon Valley, or does Berlin have it to succeed in the, not only in the short term, but in the mid and long term, uh, keeping the startups uh, within and not uh, having them go away? Mm. Thanks. Well, maybe I'll take it. Um, CEO moment. So I think it's a great question. Um, what, you know, what is going to be the future of Berlin? It's tough for me to answer, right? I mean, all the, the VCs out there are trying to figure that out for themselves. And people in London are, are looking to, to Berlin and seeing if there's going to be a seismic shift in Europe. Uh, for, for my money, I think it's actually pretty likely because Berlin has that sort of Paris in the 1920s, anything is possible feel. Uh, definitely as compared to Silicon Valley, there's, you know, there's less money flowing. The, the German economy, while strong, functions differently. It's a bit more cautious. But what I see is it's true. People are already leaving Berlin. And I, I do think in line with a lot of what you'll hear from the, the other venture capitalists in, in, you know, sort of in the whole European scene that we need one really really big success here to start anchoring the city. But if I had to put my money on where that's going to come from in Europe, Berlin is the most likely candidate in my mind. Very good. Okay. Thank you. Hi. Um, my question is, I heard from all of you that you are very happy of having a startup and working on a startup, but your company, if it goes well, it will grow and it will become something else. Yeah. Uh, what would you like to keep if the company grows so that it's still special and it can be still like startup feeling or how would you do that? Thank you. So maybe I'll start, but I know, <laughs> I know these ladies have some opinions. Um, no, so I think for me, you know, what we're trying to do and what's exciting, we're uh, a 10-person team now, and we did say that we were all female, which was true up until about a week ago, and we had our first uh, guy join the team. So uh, what, we, what we're looking forward to sort of going forward, I think, is being able to set the culture. You know, when you are in charge of the company, of course, if it grows, that's going to be fantastic, and then it'll be a company and not a startup anymore. But I think we tried to set a really strong culture from the top down and includes different, you know, sort of procedural ways of working and practices, but also the environment and the atmosphere. And, you know, you've, like we said, we're happy and we're positive. I mean, it's hard, you know, like, no, we're not just putting a shine on it, but we try to actually have a lot of good feeling in the company. And that's something that we think that, you know, is, is sustainable on a growing level because we're, we're paying it down the chain, you know, all the way. So I don't know about you ladies, what, what you would see as sort of changes coming forward as we grow. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's always compromises you have to, like, you know, accept when, like, the company grows. And I think, yeah, what I'd like to keep is, I mean, as I was saying, like, passion for me is a 
great drive and because like you know I do the product I know that it has to go in a certain way for instance you know to meet the market to have a sustainable business model but then there's got to be a part of it that I still need to like just be passionate about and I think it's just something that's great in a startup that I would want to keep is just like learning is really mm. important you know and it happens like on an everyday basis and people like help each other to learn like our like product team is you know just doing like many languages and all like working together and it's just I mean I really like to keep this you know feeling of collaborating and learning because you know I wouldn't want just to like everyone be fixed on <laughs> you know one thing and one role thank you do we have any other questions don't be shy okay we've got someone in the back there Hi, I was wondering if in our schools it's possible to learn entrepreneurship and what kind of things we would have to, that the teachers would have to teach us. That, Very good that question. Excellent <laughs> question. Go so, Yalinka. Yeah. So I think it's, it's something that I've found uh, you don't really actually see advertised very well as a part of a school curriculum. You could get a master of business when you're in your 20s, but no, that's not really reaching out to younger children and actually uh, sort of planting that spark. But what I noticed about where I grew up and partially in the schools, you know, you have things like fundraising drives, right? Mm -hmm. And you teach the kids to go out and sell something in order to raise money for a trip. I think a lot of activities like this and actually furthering those kinds of experiments and we see more and more of it happening. You know, governments are trying to work with the school programs to teach these kind of skills. But for me, I've realized that entrepreneurs Entrepreneurship is sort of a learned thing in a lot of ways. And so it's about learning to solve problems quicker than you thought you would have to because you're on deadlines and making compromises and being very agile and, you know, sort of moving quite quickly. So I think that more than the schools themselves teaching it, I think it's great if, you know, kids get together and work on projects like this with their families. And we always welcome, you know, like young people and if they want to talk to us about what they're doing, mm -hmm. I always happily give out advice because kind of the best way to learn this stuff is to do it. And I mean, I kind of keep saying that but you sort of have to just try and that's really how you learn mm -hmm. learning by doing yeah. great okay yes thanks um so my question is you're all obviously very driven and have a lot of entrepreneurial spirit and all of this but um coming back to the original idea how do you come up with the idea that you know is going to be like the idea that you just want to like grab and run with or where in the process of trying to come up with stuff do you know this is the one, and obviously maybe you, you know, change it as you go along, but how do you find that kernel of an idea where you know, this is what I want to do? You have to answer this, Ariana. <laughs> <laughs> so Ariana is our, is our product visionary, and she always shies away from that role, but the true heart of freestyle and where we're going is, is yeah. up to her. So where does it come from, Ari? Where does it come from? Well, I mean, again, I'll keep repeating it for <laughs> me. It's like passion because I'm just obsessed by music. But I think, yeah, the idea like changed a lot. And I, well, we started working together on the idea at the beginning. I think for us, it had to be live music because the music market was changing a lot. So for us, it was just this belief. Like, I think you have to like try to see the future where it's going and then mm -hmm. pick, you know, a market. And for us, it was music. And then we just bet on live music because we think that it's, you know, going to be the thing. And then... Again, then you're like, okay, technology, 
about live music and from there just the idea just narrows all the time and changes like all the time. I think when we started a few years ago, I think now it's more challenges, but because there's so many ideas that actually become product and it's a very competitive market. So it's really like about looking what's available there and what is not and trying to find probably a field that you're comfortable in working in, but that still has some space for innovation, you know, and really try to think like, what can you do that it's different and you know it's all the time i mean they say it's about execution and it's mm -hmm. true like having a truly like revolutionary idea is hard now but then you know you have a way to make it a bit a bit different and that's what you're working on every day mm -hmm. just having this idea that then piggybacking off that question is it really difficult for a startup to pivot and completely change their idea i mean that has to be a huge <laughs> struggle did you have yeah, that experience? So I think that it's like yeah, we did it when we killed our product in Italy. Exactly. I mean, it was no. I mean, essentially, yeah, it's it weird. I mean, I think so. There's two parts to this. I think what like Ariana is really highlighting is that for us and for you know for you specifically, music tech. I mean, you've been working on that for 12 years, right? Just constantly, and so you're trying to find amazing solutions in that space. So if you pivot, like let's say within your same market space, which is kind of what we did, we made a big change in the product, but ultimately it's about discovering and promoting live music. Okay. But how it yeah. worked changed a lot. Now, if you pivot from one market to another, I, I personally see that as incredibly challenging. Yeah, I think, yeah, that changing, you, you know, knowing your market, yeah, is something that you can do. I mean, it's, your, it's still your product. You work on the product for years, so it's like, you know, challenging, but you can do it. Yeah, moving to another market is like, I don't know, yeah, it can be... You know. Yeah, the only the only real way to do that, I think, is if you have a core technology that somehow yeah. you know applies better to a different market. Mm -hmm. But like you know, you've built some sort of thing that's purely algorithmic. But what we're doing is a lot more. You know, there's social, there's community. It's not just it's not just the algorithms we build. They're important and mm -hmm. really fun. But it's not the whole thing. So you know, we can't just like take that and move to some other. You know, I don't know, sports betting or okay. something. You know, it'd be hard. Nicely put. Nicely put. I think we have room for one last question. We've got someone right here in the. Far back. Could you manage your personal life? Personal. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Can we I, just laugh? <laughs> <laughs> I have a second question. It's uh, about you. You, I think you you work together every day a lot, and also you are friends. I I suppose. So could you yeah. handle this, or do you have problems <laughs> sometimes? So we're gonna break into okay, a, a fist fight at the end of this. Uh, <laughs> okay, if laughing is the answer for. All the questions, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, we have a long story as friends, and uh, as you know. Yeah, I mean, as a group, I mean, yeah. you guys have known each other for about 15 years. 17, we've all, okay, more. Let's yeah, we've all known each other for about 10. And Amali and I met about, what, three years ago, yeah. something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, yes, I think that. Can we manage our personal lives and do we get along all of the time? Both of those are yes and no to both, right? I think that. It's, a tr it's like any other challenge, you know, there's personal relationships, you know, that you have to manage and it's difficult, but the, also for me, the concept of managing your personal life, we discussed whether we should talk about work-life balance today. And my life is my work, but not in a workaholic way. Like I just like to build things. So I don't need to yeah, balance it out. Yeah, and your life is so much this work that you don't, I mean, 
yeah, you don't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly think you need to have a hobby on the side. Right. Yeah, but we have, you know, we like, have yeah, hobbies. Yeah, we yeah. have hobbies yeah. in a way to... I think the most sane people yeah. in the startup industry are the ones that have some kind of side hobby where oh, they yeah. can decompress, yeah. do mm -hmm. something more, um, you know, using a different part of their brain and, and relaxing a little. It's yeah. very important. Because yeah. Yeah. you don't want to burn out, right? You want to yeah. keep... No, it's, yeah. it's very, it's very yeah. common. Yeah. I think keep it's checking. important to know your limits and when it's just too much yeah. to mm -hmm. work. I mean, mm -hmm. this I was talking before about burning out and I did at some stage I just didn't realize my limit it just kept going and then I became like a, just like you know, <laughs> I become a robot for a, a moment. robot and it was just like for me like yeah just trying to take like weekends off was like a big accomplishment you know mm -hmm. like I mean I shouldn't say this but like my psychologist was like you need to take some time off and I was like I'm paying you to tell me to go on holidays <laughs> yeah. and then he was like I'm really proud you did it you yeah. know I was really proud and uh, I was and it was better, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just it's important to realize before it's too late that you need, yeah, personal mm -hmm. life and some. Yeah, and, and for people, some people is more important than mm -hmm. others, you know. That's why knowing yourself is just mm -hmm. important. Yeah. Where's your limit, you know? Like, mm -hmm. how much can you work? How much can you put into this? You yeah, know? there's like no it's recipe. It's just if, like, what Ariana was saying, the sort of best barometer is like, am I waking up happy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if so, then you're balanced. I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If not, take some yoga and go for a long run. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or use your bike. <laughs> You're in Berlin. Yeah. So. Yeah. Berlin is very bike friendly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, ladies. This has been a really good insight into your startup world. And I'm really happy that you could share your thoughts and experiences and inspiration. Um, thank you to the audience for participating. And thanks once again to Apple for hosting us this evening. So thanks again. And I wish you all a wonderful night. Okay.